0: You're trespassing trash. I said, you're trespassing trash. You don't say. Did you come looking for
1: trouble?
2: Gotta get to the other side of the Bronx,
1: fast. Hmm. What's the rush? Planning on going to a meeting or something?
2: Yeah, right between me and yoga.
0: You're lucky, Trash. You see, I got a soft spot in my heart for you.
1: And they say you got an iron heart.
0: I change my
1: mind. Okay, baby.
2: I owe you one. The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> <laughs> On sight. All right, welcome to They Must Be Destroyed On Site, episode hundred and seventy-one. I'm your host, Lee. Could be a pile of shit out of someone's asshole, Russell. Joined by my co-host, Daniel. Since he's hooked up with that Manhattan pussy, all his blood is rushed to his cock. Harper, how you doing, sir?
3: That is indeed uh, an apt description of me, ever since I hooked up with that Manhattan pussy. Manhattan
2: pussy, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs>
3: as opposed to the Bronx pussy, to which I was more reasonably accustomed.
2: Yeah, I, I thought I'd probably... Throw in with the Bronx pussy a little bit more than I would the man. Well,
3: certainly, certainly based on what we see in this film, you know. Mm. There's our films, I should say, but it yeah. does kind of feel like one line. One film. film
2: like, it really know. is kind of like it, yeah, they could they could have super cut this shit together. <laughs> uh, and we're also joined by Greg. Dying for you would give my life a meaning. Belaski. How you doing,
4: sir? I'm good, but I was really hoping you'd incorporate that line. I don't know verbatim, but uh, the uh, one the,
2: called... the you're, scratching you're, you're... balls.
4: No, 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 your, your, mother, your mother didn't give proper birth to you. She just gave birth to you in a sewer and left you, something like that. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know the line line verbatim, but you know the one I'm talking about. That That's the one I want. That's the one I feel that I've earned. I don't want to get too true
2: to life, Greg. Just, <laughs> <laughs> let's oh, try come to, on. Let's try to keep a little bit of kayfabe going on here. But, yeah, we are going to be looking at two other uh, additions to Enzo G. Castellari's sort of uh, – Post apocalyptic uh, trilogy. We're going to be looking at 1990, the Bronx Warriors, and Escape from the Bronx. But before we get into that, we should just jump right into the comments. And we have three here. One from YouTube. We got a YouTube comment again. I knew it would get another YouTube comment, but uh, this one's just weird. So this is from someone called Turunchu Baraka. Uh, I think he's from like India or someplace like that. Like I guess he said, I haven't visited this channel in a long time, and just inside an I wasn't aware he'd visit this channel ever before. <laughs> there are things that are perfect. I congratulate you. Please watch my live recording videos for ah. ten minutes. Good luck to you. <laughs>
4: Oh, that's a spam. That's a spam comment. That's that's a bot that wrote.
2: No, that. it's not though. I looked at his channel. This dude's real.
4: Oh, really? Okay.
2: Yeah. So it's a it's more a language barrier thing than it is a bot.
4: Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, we'd love to watch your recording for ten minutes. You watch our recording for ten minutes first.
2: No, uh, I, I'm, I'm not watching this shit. I I tried watching some of his stuff, and I'm sorry to run chew, but i i don't think our two channels are too copacetic i don't think they yeah. merge very well
3: which which uh, episode was he uh commenting
2: under that was our last episode conquest
3: oh wow good for maybe he liked the movie who knows maybe listen, maybe he
4: did listen if you have a Pornhub channel of you having sexual intercourse with women from whatever ethnicity you're from i'll watch it because why not yeah
2: maybe to run has some game i don't know why not but if you're listening to Runchu. Or if you hear this on the uh, the next episode when it comes up on YouTube, uh, let us know about your Pornhub channel if you actually yes. have it, please. Mm-hmm. And then we might watch for ten minutes.
4: I'll review it,
2: or maybe like three minutes. Depending yeah, on how good. It is three
4: Sorry. minutes. Three minutes, including cleanup. That's much <laughs> exactly. all, I can, all I can dedicate. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> Uh, on the Facebook page, you um, have Kai Clear coming in, commenting on the two films we're doing tonight. And he says uh, the first film answers the question what if Bob Fossey had a gang of, uh, in the post apocalyptic future? And if you're not aware, Bob Fossey was a dancer and very flamboyant. Uh, I, I was not aware, but thank you for letting me know. But there's a lot of that in the first movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeff Williams comes in with his recommendation of the week. And uh, this time out, and this is uh, this is one I, I already responded to him on Facebook and said this is going to be on the top of the list when we do our Jeff Williams month or whatever of recommendations. This Gun for Hire from 1942. Uh, he says, a major influence on Jean-Pierre Mavel's Le Samurai. This noir explores the dangers of fucking with Alan Ladd and his cat. <laughs> uh but here's the here's the uh, hook Daniel Laird Krieger Laird Krieger and Veronica lake are great in supporting roles but Lad owns it in his debut uh as a leading man but uh yeah, no i saw
3: I saw this comment and I was definitely oh yeah we'll we'll, we'll have to do that one just uh, the return to Laird Krieger is enough to get me uh to
2: get me uh to get my interest peaked so definitely and uh, yeah and it's been a while since we've had him uh we've talked about him on the podcast so uh yeah it's be been good to- like
3: Close to two years now? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, so, just for the record, Bob Fossey was like a multi award winning director and choreographer on the stage and screen. He won Best Director for Cabaret. He was not just a dancer.
2: Uh, see, I, I, I had no idea who he was. I actually had to look him up. So I. Yeah, that, no, that no. was the extent of my research. <laughs> yeah, no. I apologize. I, I just wanted to be in on Kai's joke. Okay, so. yeah no no
3: that that's fair that's fair i just wanted to like make sure that at least one of us on this podcast actually didn't know who bob fossey was no
2: yeah hey, certainly Fosse. wasn't me yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah thank you guys for the comments we can move on now to what we've watched in the last little while uh, i know i have a little bit to say about uh something there greg so uh, i'll let you uh, go
4: it is a very little bit to say i the only thing i've watched recently is stranger things season three I'm a fan of Stranger Things. I'm, I've always felt, even including the first season, which I think most people think is probably the best one. I've always never been as big of a fan as some people. Like people have been absolutely nuts about that series. I've always thought it was a good series, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I kind of, it's sort of like a popcorn movie. I enjoy it, but I, I don't really. I don't really get much out of it as much as some other people do. I enjoyed season three. Again, it was more of the same. I felt it was really unnecessary, sort of like I felt the second season was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but it was a fun ride, a little bit of spoiler territory, but I love the Russian dude who was basically a ripoff of the Terminator. It's like he's <laughs> not a he's not a terminator. I think Lee's watched it too. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about. The, the dude's basically the Terminator, even he though is. He's, a hu- he's a human apparently, but he's he's completely a fucking Terminator. They even play similar music when the guy plays. I like that. I also found it real strange that this secret Russian base that was very that apparently is so secretive that they snuck in, in under a mall with no one finding out that a bunch of kids can get in and out several times mm-hmm. undetected. And not only that, once the Russians know they're found, they manage to escape while the U.S. government is on top of them. They manage to escape with a bunch of hostages, apparently, with, yeah. with, and back to Moscow without anyone finding them. Yet the kids have no problem sneaking in and out. So I, I, don't, I don't know about this this whole story. I think it's a little bit iffy. But again, it, it's also meant to be 80s nostalgia, and I get that. Uh, I know uh, – I think I even saw a post on Facebook from you, Lee. I think you, you mentioned about how much they suck the 80s dick in that movie. They completely do – they have the whole new coke state and new coke uh, scene and all that And you know what i i admit i like a lot of that stuff i thought the never ending story thing was just absolutely fantastic it was, it was so oh. cheesy it was so cheesy but i absolutely loved it yeah that, that's the thing I, I know they were sucking the 80s dick but i i i did love some of those parts but yeah overall for me it was like it's a fun movie uh, sorry it's a fun show it may as well be a movie cuz it's a quick watch if you enjoy Stranger Things, I think this is just as good as the other Stranger Things. I don't think it's any better or any worse, but it's. It, I I recommend it. I liked it.
2: I mean, going on to Never Ending Story references, uh, at least they redeemed themselves by totally making fun of his stupid oh, yeah. ass afterwards.
4: Like, Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Sure.
2: Oh, you sung Never Ending Story of Your Girlfriend. You loser.
4: I will also say, just on a very slight tangent, there are certain movies I watched in the eighties as a child that I should never have been exposed to. The first never ending story movie is a terrifying movie that children should not watch.
2: It is kind of there horrific. Was, isn't there it? was a lot of scary yeah.
4: stuff along with stuff like return to Oz. Uh, I think mm-hmm. never ending story two was a little bit scary too. Like garbage, pale kids, little monsters, those movies, the, uh, the, the ones with Dave, the one with Davey Bowie and uh, the other labyrinth, yeah, and the other Jim Henson one, The Dark Crystal. Yep. Those are all movies should not be consumed by children. And I watched all those movies eh. at a very young age, and I feel they traumatized me and turned me into the slightly unhinged adult that I currently
2: am. I think children should be exposed to fictional trauma. I, mm. I, I, think, I think it builds character, but that's just me.
4: Oh, well, maybe it tough. <laughs> maybe it toughened them up. I don't know.
2: Well, so one of the things that actually kept me watching because uh, after the first couple episodes, because they actually did like front load a lot of the 80s nostalgia like in the first couple episodes was the fact that they watched uh day of the dead in the first episode and then the soundtrack throughout the entire season had little callbacks to the day of the dead soundtrack which Um, i just i loved
4: (laughs) oh i didn't i didn't even know that but
2: Mm. oh yeah but there we go uh you didn't have anything daniel
3: I uh, know. I watched a bit of the. Uh, I watched a bit of Stranger Things series three. Like my wife was watching it, so I saw a little bit of it. Uh, I liked what I watched. It was uh, entertaining enough. Um,
2: but I have no real comment other than what you guys said. Yeah. Uh, Rushes in them all. Russians in them all. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, there's this deep, deep dive on uh, American capitalism and uh, socialism, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. And, uh, not really.
3: No, it's nothing. It's nothing like that, you know.
4: <laughs> just, just, just on a slight aside. Now, I've done zero research on this, but I will say that mall looked an awful lot like Monroe Mall that Donna of the Dead* was filmed at. There was,
2: there was definite connections to that too. Yes, they, they were definitely referenced in uh, Monroe, Monroeville uh, Mall. So, yeah. Yeah,
4: I almost was wondering if they filmed in the same mall, but I didn't bother to research. So no,
2: I don't think they did. (laughs) I think they built. I think they pretty much built. Like they got all the monies, so they just built their sets. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so for me, I'll just quickly mention um, just another Barnes and Noble uh, Criterion sale. Every time they do one of these, like they used to only do it like once a year, I think now they just do it whenever the fuck they feel like it. And every time they do,
3: they've got to do something.
2: Yeah, I guess because, you know, all they have is people showing up and using their toilets for the most part in their physical <laughs> locations. So, yeah, so I, I, I picked up a couple movies. I try to restrain myself from spending over like $100 on these things. So, you know, it's three movies this time. And I picked up Fiend Without a Face, which is an old sci-fi film. It's it's hmm. one of the It's one of the first sci-fi films that sort of starts pushing the gore in, in, in modern uh, cinema, kind of, so it's like these brain creatures that are initially invisible, and they're and they're thought creatures. They're created by an experiment with atomic radiation and human thought that uh, makes them actually manifest. Like their are thoughts that manifest into creatures, and they're these little they're these disgusting brain things with. Uh, spinal cords and they sort of propel themselves by like moving their spinal cords across across the ground and shit. It's both goofy but kind of fun at the same time. It sounds fun. Yeah, they they take it totally serious and there's gore in it. Like, you know, they're shooting these brain creatures and there's blood sparting in places and shit like that. People are violently dying cause brain creatures while they're invisible. They hunt people and they latch onto them and strangle them with their like spinal cord that they have, uh, tailing behind them. So it, it's a good sci-fi movie, 74 minutes or something like that. So it's, it's incredibly quick watch. There's no fat on it at all. It's just like bang, bang, boom. And it's set in Canada of all places. It's an American military base in Canada. So they actually go into a little bit of, uh, Military versus uh, citizens, uh, sort of uh, political, social uh, talk there. And they, they talk about atomic power a little bit in it, you know, typical. Sounds like
3: something we should do. I, I definitely want to do this.
2: Uh, I, I bought all, yeah, spoilers. I bought all these or films to actually do on the podcast. Uh, next one Eyes Without a Face, the French semi noir horror film. Uh, in, in a way, about a, a mad doctor who is trying to reconstruct his uh, daughter's disfigured face by uh, basically capturing young women who fit sort of fit her uh, physical profile and trying to skin graft their faces onto hers. It is. And, and it's pretty goddamn good. It's also a really gory film for its time. It's got some really good effects. It's, uh, it's got some noirish shots. I I think it was actually criticized back in the day for being too noirish when that was something that wasn't in anymore. It was like, oh, your movie looks too old. It looks stupid. Like you should move on kind of thing. But it's, it's great, uh, great performances. It's been remade by Jess Franco at least like three times in his career. Um, (laughs) like he, like he's used the idea like over and over again. Um, so, uh, uh, I think he made the movie Faceless in the 80s. I think it was actually his last movie he directed, actually. Uh, mm. And, yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. So uh, we are going to get to that at some point. Uh, it's, it's a really effective sort of thriller, horror film. Very creepy. And the last one I got was Blow Up with oh. uh, David Hemmings, who we've uh, talked about in... It was Deep Red, right, that he was in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Man, that fucking film. Uh I haven't seen that in a long time and Yeah, me either. I would
3: definitely like to do it though.
2: And rewatching that, you know, revolves it's it's kind of got a connection to Baba Yaga in a way cuz it's sort of the same world with like uh fashion photography, art photography yeah. kind of thing. And you know, but it it's more about actually the photographer's life in this one where it sort of it's more examines his lifestyle and there just happens to be like a possible murder mystery underneath that that's kind of incidental to his sort of day or whatever and really good stuff so yeah Uh, look out for those coming on the podcast sometime in the next little while in the next five years yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right so uh we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna play some podcast promos and some music and we're gonna come back and talk about the Bronx warriors
1: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds?
4: Hello and welcome
3: to Hello. This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh. Who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm
2: Brad.
4: She came in and said, bark, 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 and he said, bark, bark, bark,
2: and she said, bark, bark, bark,
1: and that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner.
2: <laughs> which, anyway,
1: which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears.
2: <laughs> hello, this is the Doomed Show
0: is available on Hello Doomed Show. and DoomedMovieThon.com
2: hello. hello. 1990, the Bronx
1: Warriors from 1982. In the year 1990, the New York City authorities declared the wasteland known as the South Bronx to be a high-risk area. There would be no further attempt to restore law and order to that notorious borough. The South Bronx had long since been controlled by gangs with such names as the Riders, Scavengers, Ironmen, Tigers, and Sharks. To venture without permission into the territory of a rival power was to risk war. War with no holds barred. War to the death. Only one man had anything to gain from such a war. Only one man could prevent it. Only one man. 1990, the Bronx Warriors.
2: Directed That's by Enzo few... G. Yeah, this throws you right off, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so 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 distant in the
3: future. Nineteen ninety, the Bronx Warriors. Don't let eighty-two.
2: Directed by Enzo G. Castellari, written by Dardano Scicchetti, Eliza Brigante, Enzo G. Castellari, and Anton Pegon, starring Stefina Girolami which is weird because she's actually Castellari's daughter, but she she has the same last name as one of the other uh, actors in this. I think they must have intentionally did that to sort of like hide that she's actually Castellari's daughter. Hmm. Um, uh, Also starring uh, Marco D. What
3: is she the one with the whip?
2: No, she's not, sadly. Um, (laughs) uh, Marco D. Gregorio, or Mark Gregory, as Trash. The late, great Vic Morrow as Hammer. Fred Williamson as The Ogre. Betty Elizabetha Desi as Witch. Rocco Lero as Paul. George Eastman coming in again as Golem. Carla Breit as Iron Man leader. John Lifredo as Ice. Uh, Inio G- Girolami as Ted Fisher. And Enzo Castellari himself as the vice president in this. And we do have a synopsis here from IMDb. It's 1990 and the Bronx has officially been declared a no man's land devoid of any laws. A wealthy young woman runs away from her Manhattan boarding school into this wasteland of motorcycle gangs, marauding warriors and degenerate street trash. There she takes up with this motorcycle gang called the riders and their leader named trash. Her corrupt father sends a ruthless mercenary to bring her back at all costs. And yeah, it's a fair assessment of what goes on in this film, I guess. Um, yeah, so uh, Gregory, what are your sort of uh, general thoughts on this one?
4: I guess I'll just steal what I'm sure everyone else is thinking. It's basically a rip-off of Escape from New York combined with, well, m- more of the Warriors. I, I feel it does mm-hmm. have an Escape from New York vibe as well. Uh, but it's very much very much seems like a rip-off of the Warriors, and it's just got a little bit, especially based on one scene, it's, got a, vi- it's a little bit of clockwork orange as well. Uh, so it seems like the Italians <laughs> were ripping off some pretty good films, actually. Um, it's it's an interesting movie. I mean, of the two movies we watched, I think this one's the a little bit more coherent one, and it's at least kind of got a plot that gets somewhere. Gets somewhere anyway. I don't know what to say about this movie. I granted, I was a little bit drunk when I watched it last night. I enjoyed it. It was interesting. I think it was better than the sequel, which normally these movies are. But ultimately, it was kind of a meh watch but it was I don't know. It's one of those movies I don't have a lot to say about. I just I, I did enjoy it but I didn't I didn't love it either. I just thought it was it was a fun it was a fun early eighties romp and it's kind of what I'd expect from something like this that's sort of low budget and well Italian. <laughs> you racist. Yeah, uh Daniel
2: <laughs>
3: I just kind of, you know, hit underline on pretty much everything you just said there. I like this. I think this is the more um I definitely think this is the more coherent. There's kind of more going on in this film than in mm-hmm. uh, the sequel. But I think that the, you know, sort of sort of the, the themes are a little bit more better worked out in the sequel than they are in the first film. And there's a little bit of a Mad Max Mad Max 2 kind of thing going on where the first film feels a little bit like kind of it's a street gang movie in what is ultimately a kind of like fairly well, still kind of well-maintained society, whereas like the sequel is several years later after the whole thing has just collapsed and we have a little bit more of a, a full-fledged, you know, kind of police action kind of going on to clear out everything. I'm sorry, I'm kind of talking about them together, but
4: it's hard not to.
3: Yeah, I mean it does kind of feel like, you know, volume 1, volume 2 just a little bit. But uh, I I like the um I like the performances in the first film. I think there's some some really kind of uh, cool stuff. Uh, Vic Morrow was Hammer. He is uh, really memorable here. Uh Trash, I think I like him better in the second film. I don't think he's got a lot he gets going better. on. You know, and and you know, he's just not a great performer. Apparently, he was only about eighteen, even by the time of the second film. He and was, so he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's he's crazy young, and he doesn't look that young. He um for for those, I assume that no one is going to watch this film who hasn't already watched it. Um, he does have quite a rico suave look to him.
2: Uh, he's got quite the fucking stature and walk as well to him. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this this is uh he he's professionally known as Mark Gregory. He's pretty famous. And some sort of like niche fandom of this film. He was discovered at age seventeen, basically just working out in some gym in Rome. So you know, he was he was already the athletic gym nut at seventeen. You can you can tell like he's he's he did a lot of chest exercises. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's got a lot he's got a really big chest. I have arms this and thing. legs.
3: I have this mental image of like the beginning of Boogie Nights, where Burt Reynolds runs into uh, Dirk Dick or you know Brock <laughs> Stamps or whatever the fuck his name is, you know yeah. Eddie Adams or whatever, and uh, you know it's like, can I see your dick? It does feel it's, a little uh, bit, a little bit like that kind of, you know, less dick and more abs, especially since would, you know uh, ending, uh, I would
2: say Castellari was not too far divorced from that situation when he discovered Mark Gregory. Uh, if you listen to the commentary for the film and the subsequent amateur documentary that was made, The Search for Mark Gregory, because mm-hmm. he he did a handful of films and then disappeared by the end of the decade and just went private and went away. And there was this like YouTuber who was a big fan of Bronx Warriors, you know, Escape from the Bronx. He's like, where did Mark Gregory go? And he's been like searching for him. And I haven't watched all the way through it, so I don't know if he ever fucking discovered him, but... I Barely... checked the
3: website on the on the there there's a there's a very <laughs> old fashioned looking website. Yes. If you go to the, if very uh, the GeoCities, feet. and uh, it does it does not look like they they've updated it several times over the years, and it does not look like they
2: they actually did uh, find. Yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think they ever like they they think they know where he is, but they never like quite confirmed it. Um, but yeah, so apparently Castellari is pretty smitten with this dude. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think he see. I don't think he saw his dick. Who knows? Maybe. Who well, knows? But either way, he was definitely interested in making this this kid a star. And uh, and yes, you can tell in this film that Mark Gregory is not an actor. <laughs> Right, uh, <laughs> he he's he just looks he's, good. He's
3: very wooden. He looks fine. He's you know he's got a physicality to him. By the time of the sequel, he's definitely a little bit more of a performer, and you're gonna mm-hmm. get a little bit more of a you know you get a little bit more of a characterization there. Um,
2: you know, he, so uh, so you know it's worth
3: worth noting. But uh,
2: he walk he walks up he walks like he has a metal pole up his ass. Uh, yeah.
3: He's a little bit of the weak spot of the first film,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which that's... is not a bad film. I actually did
3: enjoy the first film quite a bit. I mean, I enjoyed both of these films, actually.
2: I was going to say, it, it helps that you have Fred Williamson and Vic Morrow here to like, carry yeah, it, right.
3: Yeah, right, right. I mean, Fred Williamson doesn't do a whole lot, but at least he's kind of there. I mean, he can, you kind of walk in. Um, I like how multi ethnic the gang is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like that. It actually does kind of feel demographically like the Bronx. It's not yeah. a bunch of you know sweaty Italian guys or whatever, which is kind of what I was expecting. I like the uh, I like the fact that there are multiple gangs and that the uh, the the corporation is kind of coming in and you know pitting them against each other, which is very much you know kind of how. These things actually go, you know. You you give weapon to one side in a conflict. I mean, it's mm-hmm. basically like colonialism was this. You know, you give you give weapons to one one ethnic group, and then you just direct them to slaughter the others. And then when they're done, you just slaughter the first group that you gave all the weapons to.
2: Yeah, so, we uh, we we sort of touched on that in Soldier Blue. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but yeah, no, I uh, I think the film basically works in in terms of the the thing that it does. It uh it has a kind of a downer ending, but not as much as the sequel does. No, <laughs> we're gonna get to <laughs> I think. Um, no. but uh, you know, uh, it's 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 kind of hard to talk about because it's just kind of got a lot of stuff that happens. I mean, it would probably be easier to like comment on it Uh you know do it do a live com on it just because it's yeah. you know it's kind of entertaining to watch but you know not much of it kind of stuck in my memory honestly um yeah. but i did like the uh the performances of Vic morrow as hammer and yeah fred williamson as uh as the ogre
2: the ogre and, yeah.
3: and uh you know there's a there's a girl with a whip uh fighting mm-hmm. with a whip uh, at the end um and that's that's always great so yeah
2: I like a lot of stuff about this film. It, it, it is of course a blatant rip off of escape from New York and mostly the warriors, like yeah. uh, because it's b- basically all about the, the warriors type weird gangs really sort of crop up in this film. Like you, you, you get to know the sort of gang culture that's happening in the Bronx here. Uh, like I was t- talking about in the new bar uh, barians, it's one of those movies where the apocalypse is only kind of like actually happening in this one, select area
0: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) where I thought it was, it it felt like it was happening only in one select area and new barbarians. It's only actually happening in the Bronx in this film. Um, everything else is just kind of like a dystopia.
3: But. Well, it feels more like kind of a, kind of a, like an economic collapse, you know, like, mm-hmm. like a, there's a lawlessness happening where like the state just doesn't have, um, you know, the cops aren't showing up anymore. I mean, and it does both of these films kind of exist in the, you know, the apocalypse is what happens when a uh, white people are forced to live in the conditions that the third world is forced to live under <laughs> in, in our, yeah. in our world, you know,
2: I love the opening credits for this. Cause it, it reminds me of like a Shaw brothers, martial arts film mm, yep. um, where, you, you, you're basically showed off like the various weapons that are going to show up in the film. Uh, Shaw brothers would show you also like techniques and show you like two guys fighting with those weapons and doing that shit. But here you, you, at least you get like closeups of all the, like some of the central, central characters and some of the weapons and stuff like that. It's a very nice striking opening. It's, it's better than having this like text on black screen or whatever. I think the movie works for the most part. Dialogue in this one is worse than in the second film because it's just incredibly stiff. And, and the line read it's 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 more the line reads than anything else because there's so much dubbing in this it's just a lot of it comes off very stiff and bad, but you kind of can forgive it because the characters are so big and interesting and there's a lot of action so it's always yeah. like it's always it's always keeping you moving on to the next scene. There's no real big slow down I feel in this film um i mean uh trash's relationship. With uh, Anne, you don't even see that. It's just like she she gets saved by trash, and then in the next scene, she's like already part of the gang and driving around in motorcycles with them and shit. We
3: we've got things to blow up here. We've got we've got like uh, ineffective action. Like, let's, uh, you know, let's let's not slow down long enough for these two characters to actually speak to one
2: another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, honestly, I don't think their conversations were that deep anyway. Just, no. like, start with Because they have that scene on the fucking beach there where it's just like,
4: yeah, we could be killing shit right now. <laughs> we, could, we could be doing that. We could be shooting people. It's but... about as good as the love scenes that George Lucas scripted in the Star Wars prequels. It <laughs> oh, <that> doesn't... <laughs> Uh, it just, just kind of gets you to a certain place. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be believable.
2: At least there were no Senate hearings or anything like in the, in this no. one. It's like, you know, <laughs> now the the senator from Alderon 2 will speak on the the trade union. <laughs> the uh, senator tra-
3: from Bronxatonia will now speak. Uh,
2: <laughs> Trash, tell us about the problem. Yeah. At, at least the, when the, at least when gangs meet in this, they have a soundtrack. They have that fucking drummer who's just like He's just there. He's drumming, and the motorcycles show up. <laughs> it's like <laughs> th- this is not part of the soundtrack. It's actually happening in the film. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of cool. Although, you know, Trash meets up with meets up with Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson did all of his scenes in fucking Rome. So if you if you actually like if you notice if you look out the back window of his car, the background does not match the background of like the the wide opening shots when. Uh, <laughs> when the when the motorcyclists are coming into that like pier or whatever that they meet at but uh yeah i i like i like that it's just so weird like kessler is just like thinking of weird stuff to throw in here currently yep. like they hired one drummer and they couldn't find him, so they got another guy to replace him like there was just some drummer drumming under a bridge and there's like that's our guy and then that guy disappeared so they hired some other guy to do it <laughs>
4: Well, <laughs> apparently that drummer wasn't even supposed to be in the scene and then it just randomly got filmed in or something. Like they just decided last second, hey, this is kind of cool. Let's do it. So I read. I, th- I think what it was was that they discovered this guy
2: and there was two drummers apparently. They discovered one guy and they're like, okay, this guy's really neat. He's cool. He's just under this bridge drumming. Let's include that in. And then they couldn't find him when it came to <laughs> actually doing the scene. So they just hired some other drummer and did. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's basically what they did, I think. You, you can tell, like the motorcyclists, most of them are actually real Hells Angels. But um, apparently, they all had a good laugh at how uh, Mark Gregory walked. Apparently, apparently, there were some chuckles on on set uh, over that. <laughs> Even in the commentary, I listened to the commentary the other day, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I just love the things that uh, Castellari is excited about in his own film. Uh, they, they're just like talking, like. So uh, what's it like dealing with uh, the, the Hells Angels, Zinzio, and, and what, are you, what are you doing here? And Castellari just interrupts him and goes, hey, look at that, uh, look at that uh, Hells Angel biker with, with the prosthetic arm. Look, look at that, driving a motorcycle with a prosthetic piece. He was just like amazed by that. Like, Those that, are the kind of things that like, struck him. Like, yeah, we need to hire these people and, and have them in my film. Yeah, there's, there's,
3: a, there's a gonzo aspect to filming that way. It's, yeah. it's nice, yeah. I like oh, it. it's, I mean, you can tell. It comes across in the film, you know. It's
2: very gonzo because they had no permits in New York. <laughs> well, <laughs>
3: yeah, that costs money, and they, that's one thing they didn't have. <laughs> Everything they I, filmed. I love that it's set in the Bronx, and they're just, like, constantly, like, shooting over the river into New York. You know? Yes. You're yes. basically just looking at New York in the background <laughs> as opposed to, like, actually getting the sense of being in New York, you know
2: yeah no it's beautiful like just the guerrilla filmmaking in this where they had no permits so it's like we're just gonna film shit and get the fuck off the street before the cops show up basically is what they're doing pretty much yeah and Castellari knows how to use a set because he he reuses like those underground tunnels a lot in both films (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh it's it's fucking great stuff so yeah we, we talked about Vic Morrow uh this was, uh, I believe, his last film he filmed before he died in the uh, Twilight Zone filming, as, as far as I know. <laughs> as
3: I before John Landis murdered him, you mean?
2: Yeah, John Landis killed him. Yeah. And those two kids as
4: well. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. You know,
3: sorry, uh, sorry,
4: is Vic Borrow, is that Hammer?
2: Yeah, it's Hammer, yeah.
4: Okay.
3: You know, mine so, did the math on that, and I realized that if uh, John Landis had gone to prison for that, Max Landis would never have been conceived.
2: And that douchebag would never have been would never have leashed. done his
3: own like horrifying things to wow. uh, you know women and etc. around the world. So,
2: you know, kind of
3: kind of you know two birds with one stone kind of thing. Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, now, are we talking about the guy who did uh, Werewolf in London, or are we talking about a different person?
2: No, we're talking the same dude.
4: Okay, I, I like Werewolf in London, so I hope whoever made it lives a good life. <laughs> no, that, you, that, you, that, was, that was that was John Landis, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, John Landis. Yeah, John,
3: Max That's Landis it. is his son. And Max okay, Land, so this, this is also a giant piece of shit.
4: Okay, so the son's the rapist but the father's okay.
3: The father <laughs> no, murdered people. Yeah, the, the, the father, son's a rapist.
4: <laughs> yeah, the, wow. the 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 father
2: uh broke uh basically uh, child labor laws. Many other things on the set of the Twilight Zone and Vic Morrow and those two kids died in if you are brave enough to watch it, there's actually film of that shit on YouTube if you want to see it.
4: Uh, I'm going to be honest. Kids have it too easy nowadays. So you know what? Maybe, <laughs> may, maybe he did the right thing. I, I don't know. Who's to say? Did Paul join in on this cast? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you, got, you guys don't have Paul. So I need somebody to be a little controversial. So you know what?
2: <laughs> but yeah, uh, Vic Morrow, longtime character actor was doing like all kinds of these movies. And I think he's fucking awesome here. Oh, yeah. It's unfortunately not given sort of his just uh, dues at the end. Like he should have had like a fight with trash or something. Yeah. Like that. Mm.
4: that that was the thing I, I was, that's what I was sort of saying earlier when we were offline is that he started off as this amazing character, like the beginning, like he was basically like a ripoff of the Terminator, even though I know this movie came out a few years before the Terminator he was like this Terminator character where he went in, he killed people very efficiently, and he got out, he escaped. And then the second half of the movie, I literally, again, possibly, this was due to alcohol, I didn't even realize he was the same character at the end because he was this <coughs> laughing dude with a mustache. He looked like Ron Jeremy. For some reason, he looked a little fatter. And he had, like, almost a Nazi uniform on, and he was just this maniacal, like, mustache-twiddling uh Twilling villain and i was just like i don't i don't i didn't even know what happened to hammer i had to actually go back and realize oh that was hammer who got harpooned at the end like i i i don't even understand how one this awesome character from the first half of the movie went into the second sh- the shitty character from the second half of the movie like it was just, like there was a little I, bit of a pacing issue not pacing but character right it, it's issue, a switch it's think.
2: a total it's a total switch like it's kind of a 180 <laughs> by the end and I feel like it was probably, like, a monetary issue. Like, oh, we don't have the money to film Trash killing him, like, in a fight. So we'll just do, like, oh, he hits him with a harpoon gun. <laughs> He's just laughing
3: while Trash, like, slowly picks up the harpoon. Yeah. I guess he just assumes, oh, he can't possibly pull that trigger and hit me, you know? like
2: Yeah, no, like, that Hammer, this awesome villain... Who throughout the entire film has manipulated the gangs against each other, has gone in and out like a fucking ninja and killed people. All of a sudden, he's this fucking Nazi up in a up on the second floor, laughing at people, and gets a harpoon in the chest. Like it's it's very uh, unceremonial death. For for such a great character, you know. Like, yeah, but
3: he was also stupid enough to like yell out loud when he was, uh, you know, like go get him. Like maybe maybe you could you know, like you know do this with a little more subtlety, you know. But uh, you know, okay, you still ended up killing literally everyone in the cast
2: except for like three people. So you know, come
3: on. That, that's, yeah, I mean, he was still kind of
2: effective goes. up until the end when you got the harpoon in the chest. Yeah, um, yeah, although, yeah. Although of course the the big disappointment here is, and this is this is this kind of an Italian film thing where a film just ends. So we don't get like two minutes of like trash dragging his body behind him in the motorcycle. Like that that should have been the credit sequence. Like they shouldn't have cut oh, it off. Yeah. It should have been just him dragging fucking uh Hammer's body like through the Bronx in the credits roll. Yeah. But I mean yeah. you know <laughs>
3: the, you the one thing one thing that we should see more in cinema is the mutilation of bodies. That's that's something that, you know.
2: Hey, Hammer deserved it though. Yeah, well you know, <laughs> He's a piece of shit. The uh I like that. They, they take this time in the middle of the film, like the two people that uh, Hammer kills right off the bat there, who are just making out in the stairwell. They, they just, like these two characters, we didn't even know. Like, who the fuck are these characters? They have a full fucking like, Viking funeral for them that takes like five minutes out of the film. Oh,
4: yeah. <laughs> oh, they're an, they're an interracial couple. Yeah. We had, to honor, and, we, had, we had to honor them for their sacrifice.
2: Well, the thing I love is that they rip off for old, uh, old Fortuna. Uh, for the for the music, like it's it's a direct rip off of that. Like it, it it's basically the NBX caliber music, <laughs> just, just a rip off of that shit. And they have this whole Viking funeral for them. I love that George Eastman's in this, dressed as uh, Shonuff from The Last Dragon before The Last Dragon was made, like in like three or four years later. So Last Dragon, you fucking hack, <laughs> I guess, because. George Eastman's here with this like weird Eastern uh, Asian karate thing going on with like a fucking bun on his head or whatever, and I don't know what the fuck he's doing.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't get the reference.
2: Sorry, but you know, like, yeah, sure. So no one knows the last. No one here knows the last dragon with show enough. No, sorry. Oh Jesus. Well, the listeners will know. Yeah, <laughs>
4: they're they're smarter than we are.
2: But I mean, George Eastman has a badass fight with Fred Williamson, though. You know, <laughs> they, they get they get yep. to get it on. Uh, they were both in Rome at the same time, so.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, you know.
2: <laughs> you know, it uh, does
3: but, remind me of like you know that uh, you know in the um in some of the like Avengers films, like Tony Stark, like like Robert Denny Jr. is only like didn't go to some like there are whole continents that Robert Denny Jr. doesn't visit when they shoot these films because ultimately he's just. A guy in it's just like a CGI creation. Yes. And so yeah. he just like sits behind like the monitor and they shine lights in his face and he ends up like talking to a camera. You know, that, that, some of that does, does kind of come back whenever you think about like Fred Williamson. He's like, fuck you, I'm not going to the Bronx to film this.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you can shoot me on a green screen, motherfucker.
2: <laughs> I have too many Italian women who want to fuck me right now. I'm, I'm not leaving.
3: That's definitely how he goes. Your Fred Williamson is nineteen eighty two.
2: No, I mean this. This was like the height of his like popularity in Europe. Like it's, it's like <laughs> I'm I'm staying and getting fucked. I don't I don't give you shit. But this Bronx stuff, I'm I'm yeah. not leaving. Enzo, <laughs> <laughs> so you just bring a camera over here and get it done. Like <laughs> uh, Castellari was cognizant of. Okay, so this is supposed to be the future, right? So it's the year you know, two thousand. Yeah, even though even though the Bronx itself is it looks like 1982 Bronx, you know, basically just destroyed, basically just run down and destroyed. We got to bring in future cops. <laughs> we got to we got to bring flame in throwers. Nazi future cops with flamethrowers.
3: Oh, that's more in the sequel, right? Are they in well, the uh, first no, one they, as well? Well,
2: they, they do it in both films. And Okay. More in the second film though. But, you know, the, the cops here they have like special uniforms. They're on horseback. It's it's almost got like a Planet of the Apes vibe with the gorillas on horseback. I was gonna
3: a think it was, it's, a, it's a lot like a western in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm.
4: I was actually yeah. going to say this movie reminded me of the not the Planet of the Apes the original per se, but a lot of the sequels like Beneath and I think uh, oh, Battle oh. For...
2: War for Planet of the Apes or whatever battle or whatever. Yeah,
4: that that, that might be that might be the one like one of the ones where like the ones where they sort of lost their budget and they're just like, hey, we're just doing this at this point. Uh, (laughs) This movie reminded me a lot of I think it had a lot to do with the set dressing. But yeah, there was a lot of vibes to, to some of the Planet of the Apes sequels. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the horses definitely that was a callback to even the first movie. Uh, it's the first *Planet of the Apes* movies where they're. It's like, why are they on horseback? It makes no sense in this scenario. But who know? But why not? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I th- I think the first film works pretty well. It 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 has the problem of you know, again, the villain kind of is just thrown into the back, like he's just kind of forgotten at the end. Um, like the the corporate villains, they don't even get their comeuppance. They just like eh, they just disappear.
3: Shades I of do... RoboCop, five years early.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, very, very Robo, Very Robo-Cop. reminiscent
3: of RoboCop, particularly the, I think the, the second one is even more so.
4: I, well, I was uh, going to say, actually, the RoboCop 3 almost they had, because RoboCop 3 was almost a battle for whatever the hell it took, wherever the hell it took place. And that was kind of the same deal. A, you're, different, uh, but it was the same idea.
2: You're you're right. RoboCop 3 actually probably is basically just a remake of fucking Escape from the Bronx. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. We've discovered RoboCop three, the, you even
3: hack. lower version, even shittier version. <laughs> it is. It's a
2: shittier version. That's the sad thing. RoboCop three, <laughs> you acts. Yeah, uh,
3: but but no, we no, got I the girl from E.R., a so it's movie. fine. That's yeah. that's the
2: you know. I, I do like that for Williamson. He, it was probably written his contract. <clears> I get to if if I'm dying in this film, I'm going to die like a badass. So I yeah. get to like, he gets to light up one of his cigars and get like flamethrowed to death. Uh, which is pretty awesome. I think it's a pretty fucking good action film for its time. The The action actually, like, this one, and especially when we get to the sequel, reminds me of Dawn of the Dead, where it was, like, just yeah. a quick, like, shooting and all that shit in enclosed areas and stuff like that.
3: Well, there's a lot of, you know, when you got this kind of low-budget action at this time, you know, you pretty much just, you're just paying a, a stunt stunt guy to kind of do the thing you need him to do, and you just kind of shoot it, and, you know, you just kind of cut around the uh, the, the rough edges. Yeah. And so it has a very, you know, kind of specific like action style that you just don't see in, um, in more modern films. I mean, you know, uh, but um, but yeah, yeah. Basically, it's
4: uh, a guy that wears the flame suit, so you get burned to death and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
2: any other final thoughts before we move on? No. Okay. It's, so it's uh, really
3: difficult to actually do combat with a whip. That's one of the. That's <laughs> that's mm-hmm. one of those things where you know, whenever you see a character like using a whip. As a combat device, it's actually like woefully, woefully inefficient. But
2: yeah, she, and she's like straight up <laughs> breaking people's necks with it too.
3: Right? No, she's really. I mean, it's it's supposed to be like, oh, she's a badass, you know, kind of dominatrix girl or whatever. Um, and it looks great, but like in reality, if you've ever actually handled a whip, it's it's not a it's not an offensive weapon. It's just yeah, not.
2: <laughs> she wouldn't have lasted that long even with her like uh, claws that she has in her hands too. Right. No, and hey, but the
4: important, the important thing is it gets a bunch of guys hard, so it's okay.
2: <laughs> and hey, she's she's got she's got claws, she's part of the tigers. Yeah. Right? And thematically it fits very well. You ungodly warlock Right. Escape from New, y- escape from the Bronx. we from also New York. Are we doing?
3: From- can do escape from New York. That's fine too.
2: We could do. Def- we're, we're definitely gonna do it at some point. But um, escape from the Bronx, 1983, aka Escape from the Bronx, 1990. Bronx Warriors Two. That's an incredibly long mm-hmm. fucking title. Uh, Bronx Warriors Two.
1: <laughs> escape 2000. The authorities declare the Bronx. A high-risk zone. There's only one alternative. Destroy it. Destroy it. Escape from the Bronx.
2: So there we go. Directed again by Enzo G. Castellari. Written by Tito Capri and Enzo G. Castellari. Mark Gregory is back as Trash. Henry Silva, a well-known movie villain. If you don't know who he is, you've definitely seen his face. Or if you haven't, you haven't watched enough movies. And I just feel sorry for you. As Floyd Wangler... What, what a fucking name for a villain? Oh fuck! That that has to be like it has to be like some Italian thing where it's just like they just don't know how stupid that sounds.
4: <laughs> what do you mean? I would I would hate to be attacked by Floyd Wangler.
2: I Okay, I guess you have a point there. That's the that's
3: the villain from Orgasmo. Is
2: what <laughs> Valeria Diobici as Moon Gray. Timothy Brent as Strike, and this is uh, Giancarlo Prete from The New Barbarians with his American name. There we go. And uh, he looks significantly younger in this film than he does in The New Barbarians, which is weird, because they were both filmed at the same time, which I, I, I guess he put on like maybe 10 or 20 pounds when he was filming <laughs> New Barbarians. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Antonio Sabato as Deblone. And this is the father of Antonio Sabato Jr. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Minor action movie star or whatever, Antonio and, Sabato
3: Jr. wing douche nozzle, Antonio Sabato Jr. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. I didn't know that part. Former, former uh, soap star
2: mm-hmm. model. Inyo Girolami uh, coming back and as a different character, which is weird. We'll get into it. But as President Clark... Hmm. Paolo Malko as the vice president. Eva Simiris as Trash's mother. Alessandro Prete as Strike Jr. And I assume this is fucking Prete's kid. I, I didn't do research into that, but I'm, I'm kind of assuming here at this point. Mo, Moana Ozai as Birdie. And she, I actually looked into her. She's an Italian uh, porn actress. Or she was. Uh, oh, also boy. a television per- personality and a politician who died at age 33.
3: What's yeah, I shit? looked at her Wikipedia page for research reasons. Um, yes, yes. But, More uh, importantly,
4: yeah. can we look into her Pornhub page?
2: Yeah, I'm actually kind of interested to in see what she did because there's some, like, controversy about how she died, apparently. Um, <laughs> there, there's some theories that maybe she was killed by the KGB. Jesus. Is... Okay. Uh, the, the official reason is liver we're, cancer. We're,
3: we're, now gonna, we're now going to uh, become a true crime po- podcast. Just mm-hmm.
2: digging into that story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the next twenty episodes are going to be us trying to figure out, <laughs> yeah, while drinking.
2: How this would uh, die? Carla Brait is back as Iron Man leader. If you've watched the first film, she was the uh, David Bowie-ish uh, female leader of the gang that danced a lot,
3: <laughs> which was uh, a pretty badass scene, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and She does like, a little bit of that in the film. So, yeah, yeah,
4: and she's like, you know, Trash... Uh,
3: it's the Bob Fosse influence. I'm, ca- I'm yeah. kind of
4: glad they had the continuity. I love continuity in movies like this. I'm glad they brought her back.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and and that just makes you think there should have been a third film where they actually fucked because <laughs> she, she does Trash a favor in the first film and Trash is like, I owe you. It's like, uh, I know. And then the second film is like, I still, I still know you owe me, Trash. You know, hey. And then the third film, they eventually fuck and get together. That that would have been the trilogy. Um,
4: be yeah, no, yeah. So, so uh, maybe may, maybe so, I'm sorry to like jump ahead, but so this this chick did not die in this movie, to my knowledge, right? Mm-mm. She survived. Okay, because so I sure, don't yeah. I don't remember her dying. Yeah, so I, uh, I just clarify. I, I She's like just the say, only one. It's like yeah, her pretty and, much.
3: And uh, you know, uh, De bloney there. A, yeah, and the kid. That's about yeah. it. Yeah.
2: Uh, Massimo Vanni as Little Big Man, and Enzo G. Castellari is back this time, but he's not as one of the main villains uh, in the corporate room. Instead, he's the radio operator with mustache.
4: Because okay. why this, not?
2: It's great. Here's the synopsis from IMDb from someone called Jonah uh, Jonah Falcon. A vicious corporation tries to kill and starve the last remaining inhabitants of the Bronx in order to build their own high-rise developments. Alone, long-haired, hot-tempered warrior, Trash, is his only obstacle. Trash, a psychopathic bomb maker and his equally psychopathic preschool son, and an annoying activist, <laughs> help him out by kidnapping the president, in brackets, of the corporation, a Richard Dreyfus look-alike. That's, okay. I don't know about that. Henry that sounds looks, a little off. Yeah, he kind of looks more like, I, I'd say more like Lee Van Cleef not and Richard Dreyfus had a kid.
3: Yeah, not really Richard Dreyfus. I mean, he's, huh. he's, kinda, he's got that generic uh, businessman look. You know? Yeah,
2: he just looks like old man who
4: has no, much power. No, no, he, he looks like the guy from uh, Christmas Vacation who they kidnap at the end. The, the guy who denied them the Christmas bonuses. He, oh, that's right. what he looks like. Okay, okay,
2: yeah, okay, I can go with that. Uh, Henry Silva plays another psychopath. This on the side of the corporations. The favorite movie of Mystery Science Theater 3000 series. Yeah, and fuck that, by the way. Uh, th- there's some stupid stuff in this film, but I don't think this is one of those movies that MST3K should have covered because mm-hmm. I, think, I think for the most part it's pretty fucking solid. But that's yeah, just no, it's, it's pretty good. Greg, what what are your sort of initial thoughts on this one
4: I'll tell you my major thought about this movie if I am ever 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 in a conflict with a vehicle be it an be it a van or or a Porsche or a helicopter all I need to do is have a handgun or a shotgun and I will be able to defeat them because you will be able to yeah. The, those are clearly the the cheat codes to defeating vehicles such as that is just shoot at them with a few rounds and you'll be okay. Cause they'll blow up
2: real easy. I don't know why people flew so many helicopters in this film as they did because you're you're just asking for trouble because <laughs> apparently a little revolver in your hand can take out a fucking helicopter just like that.
4: Like, yeah, no, it's easy. Otherwise, I mean, I don't, I sort of don't enjoy this movie as much as the first one. I think the trash character is a little bit more of a character in this one. Although ultimately I don't think it leads anywhere. And I think the plot to this movie, I actually think it starts off more interesting. And again, that doesn't really lead anywhere. It's kind of like, eh, it's kind of interesting. And then the end is like, oh, just everyone dies. And so what? It's kind of like, well, well, what is really the point? I feel, at least the first one, I feel kind of has some sort of a conclusion, even though it was a little bit, a little bit kind of, you know, iffy as well. But. Yeah, that's that's a good way to phrase it. But at least there was kind of some sort of conclusion. Whereas this one is just kind of like, okay, well, you killed these people. So what? What's happening now? Is someone going to just take over and pretty much just take over the Bronx anyway? Like, I, I, I don't really know what's happening at this point. I don't know what you've accomplished per se. But yay, I guess. Yay, I guess the weird guy died because you shot his van. So yay. <laughs> Daniel.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, basically at the end of the film. I mean, the thing is that they like capture the like, they capture the president, the, the president mm-hmm. of the company, and then uh, he ends up being shot by the other guy, and then the other guy dies. Yep. But ultimately, the corporation is still out there. Like this is all like this is a multi billion dollar project. Like they're still going to come through and like clear out the Bronx. So,
2: you know, the, so thing, the bad so guys there is, win. There is, the
3: bad guys totally win in this. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, it is there is a there is a. There is a futility at the heart of this film mm-hmm. um, you know no matter how much we like our our, uh, our kind of rebels in the in the film and you know there are some there is some there there is some stuff i really like i like i like the uh, like Blone bloney i don't know how you know however you pronounce his name I, I i like i like that character um even the kid didn't annoy me too much
2: um no he's he's not bob <laughs> he's definitely no. not
3: bob i like the activist character i like the um the, the reporter activist um i i think she's she's well-realized and, and kind of a lot of fun and kind of in a lot of ways, the real hero of the film um, sacrifices herself nobly. Um, fascism, yeah. yeah, no. And um, you know, and <laughs> but you know, I really like the, uh, they do kind of um, tune up the, uh, the sci-fi concept a, a little bit in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there is, they, they are kind of playing with a little bit more of those ideas. Whereas in the first one, does it does kind of feel like a little bit more of a straight action film with sort of a kind of, generic action movie plot with with a little bit of kind of sci-fi stuff here you get a little bit more of a sense that there is at least some some kind of like thought behind you know kind of what what's the goal of this why is you know why is this being done it does uh, kind of feel like kind of the early version of what Robocop's gonna eventually do mm-hmm. uh, you know uh but uh but it, but it's effective i think it's 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 pretty well executed for for what it is we are kind of suffering from the lack of our of our two best character actors in the first film yeah um that's really the big, uh, you know, kind of loss here is that we just don't really have that. And uh, because we don't have that, we don't really have the, uh, you know, we're not, we're not kind of um, grounded in the same way. And so we kind of just end up, it, it feels a little bit more, a lot of the action feels a little bit more generic. Um, there's a little bit more just kind of running around without a whole lot of point behind it. But ultimately, I mean, I think the I mean, I don't want to say the ideas carry through, but I think the, the themes carry through and I think it I think it actually in a lot of ways for me it's actually a little bit more effective, like kind of as a story than the first film, which feels a little bit more like kind of like people scrambling around and kind of like alliances made and lost and that sort of thing. Um yeah. whereas this feels a little bit more kind of kind of streamlined and straightforward. So um in some ways I actually do prefer the sequel. Although you know, I'd, I'd probably want to sit down and what, rewatch them both back to back just to uh, to kind of refresh on that. But um,
2: yeah, no, yeah. So this one kind of it carries over from the first one where it's a lot of the same stuff, but it kind of like twists the story a bit. Like it continues the story, but the twist is it, it makes it more violent and more vicious. Yeah, trash well, is
3: flame I mean, like in 1983, yeah. flame throwers would have been very much in people's memory from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, this was this was this was something, you know, now it's kind of more like, oh, it's like an action movie cliche or whatever. But I mean, they were actively using in the early I mean, not just Vietnam, but Vietnam would have been the, the big thing. Yeah. They were actively using flamethrowers to like, you know, burn people out of like, you know, villages and, and rainforests in the early eighties. So this this is absolutely a sort of, you know, direct uh, action of that and the fact that they are used this much in the film, it does feel like it's a deliberate choice.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Trash's parents, who we discover he actually has parents in this film, they get they, <laughs> get, the, uh, they get the Skywalker treatment here. You know, like they they get the uh, Sky Skywalker's aunt and uncle or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, uncle, Owen, auntie, whatever.
4: This uh, is how they and... actually got burned to death, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, you actually see them get burnt to death, and and I gotta compliment uh, Castellari here. Like, as as much as there's like a couple moments in this film that show it seems where it's like cheap as shit. He's like really going for interesting shots and stuff yeah. in this. I, I love that sequence where they're going up to his parents' uh, place in the apartment, where that whole hallway is just like blue paint, and the rest of the apartment is drab. Mm-hmm. And, and And they go into that like it just looks really good. Yeah, the film just has this vicious tone. It sets trash on this revenge, and I think Mark Gregory actually kind of carries. That fairly well in this yeah. for for what he's given to do.
3: He's definitely like, better in this film than he was in the first one.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah he ta- he talks in this film a little bit. <laughs> but well, that's a good thing.
2: I'll also say the dubbing here is like about a thousand times better in the first film. Yeah. Like the the dialogue comes off more natural in this film. <laughs> I find it funny that trash in this film is is now he's a loner and he's an arms dealer. Where in the first film he was fighting arms dealers, which
4: is kind well, of ironic.
3: That's 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 just that's just uh, how far things have degenerated in the last few years, you know. Yeah.
4: Well, uh, it's, but, it's ten years later, isn't it? It's, it's a lot of time.
2: Yeah, I mean the, the the film, like the irony of this film is that all the things in the first film actually sort of happened. Like they they wanted to rid the gangs out of the Bronx, and now they're all underground. Uh, now they want to gentrify the entire area and just mow it over and and, and make a new uh city well, or they're
3: whatever. doing ethnic cleansing like yeah. that's also, I mean they're, they're, that's explicit in the film this is ethnic cleansing and they're like promising oh no we'll take you to New Mexico the land of enchantment like yeah right <laughs> yeah,
2: right <laughs> yeah it's like no one wants to go to New Mexico one of my biggest uh, complaints is... And I actually like this film better than the first film. I, I think the thing I like about this the most is that it's very action-heavy. And it gets to its point very quickly as far as star- story-wise. I do think it's a big mistake to take uh, Ineo Giolami or whatever the fuck his name is from the first film. And make him in a similar but different role. Like, I think mm. his character should have just been carried over to this film. And it would have made it more interesting. Like, he, he definitely... He wants to gentrify the entire area, but at the same time, he's still got a hate on for trash because his daughter got killed in that war. Right. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I like that idea. See, that that would have been cool. Henry Silva is fucking awesome in this, and he gets a little bit more of like a conflict of trash. Like he, he does a bit better than Vic Morrow uh, gets in the first film, but still he's not given enough. And uh, Henry Silva must have had like the easiest fucking acting like day. 'Cause I don't think he I don't think he worked more than a day on this film. And he just he just gets to like say cool lines. He's this like total psychopath who doesn't care about anything. Like he, he he's just he's not put off by the fact that the rebels are winning at one point. Uh he he just plainly tells his paymasters that yeah, uh the president who's kidnapped he, he might die. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. I'm good. What for what what fucking freaks him out is that he has too much sugar in his coffee. Like that that sets him <laughs> off. And the, and there should have been there should have been a scene of him shooting one of his subordinates in the head. That would have been hey, great. Those oh, those, those, of you,
4: those of you who are on a low sugar diet don't understand the pain <laughs> that man that man went through. It's yeah. very difficult.
2: <laughs> uh but but that, that's so good and I love that at one point in this film he basically breaks the fourth wall. Uh, like he, he's talking with the other crooked corporate guy who's trying to take over the company, and they they basically they they catch up the plot for anyone who can't follow the plot in this fucking film. <laughs> he said, Yeah, the, the president was going to die anyway, so we'll get rid of him and we'll steamroll this whole thing. And and he's looking right in the camera as he says it. <laughs> it's just, it's so like Hitler himself is like, I know what this movie is. <laughs>
3: You know, it's funny. This is like post-drive-in era because I do kind of expect a little bit of that in the drive-in era, where yeah. you know they really would make these things and not expect people to sort of follow along all that well. You know, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's definitely an experience. <laughs> you know, when when your when your villain just kind of looks the camera and goes, "This is what's happening now."
2: Yeah, <laughs> this, this is it. This is the film of men, guys. <laughs> pay me my money. Uh, <laughs> pay that man his money. Yeah. Uh, I like that uh, Giancarlo uh, Prete here is actually—he's far removed from his character in New Barbarians. He's, you know, he's got character. He's—he's he's mm-hmm. actually doing shit. He's charismatic. I'm like, what? What the fuck? Like, why? Why did you do that to him in New Barbarians? Where where he just like had to be like stiff as shit? I don't know. I guess Fred Williamson was the answer to that. It's like, oh, Fred mm-hmm. Williamson's going to carry everything. But he's really good in this. I'm glad he
4: survived the film. He's one of like the. Three people who survives? Yep. Yeah, I liked him. And the kid was fine. I mean, I don't like kids, but whatever. It was as good as the kid could be, he, but... Yeah, he wasn't annoying. Like, he, he, yeah, that like... was the thing.
2: If and you're going to
3: was... have a kid tossing grenades, this is the kid you want tossing grenades.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's not, not super genius or annoying. He's just like a scrappy kid who likes blowing people up and shooting them. Like,
4: yeah, why not? Right? I gotta say, whoever created the traps in the tunnels is an absolute genius. Like, because they... They made it through without setting off the traps themselves, but then every two seconds there's a trap to catch all these flamethrower fellas. That was good it, at you. one
3: point the kid knows to the second when <laughs> oh, the, yeah. uh, when the guy's gonna trip the wire and like blow oh,
2: himself yeah. up.
4: Oh yeah. Oh, like, no, this, that kid knows what's happening.
2: This kid's like a fucking savant with yeah. explosives. He's just he's that that fucking good. And man, they, again, like they reuse the same fucking underground location wherever it was. I don't know if it was New York or
4: uh, Rome. I, I'm assuming it's probably Rome, actually. By the look. probably
3: it. it's probably Rome, and it's probably an interior
2: or something.
4: Yeah. And that yeah. That, that, that child was played by young Donald Trump. Because why not?
2: <laughs> there is a Donald Trump character in this film, and that's the president. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, he's basically doing what Donald Trump would have done if Donald Trump was actually. Are we
4: president. are we talking about the president or the guy who sort of becomes the president right at the end? The the dude in the Porsche reminds me more of Donald Trump. I
2: guess in a way,
4: like yeah. A young a young Donald Trump.
2: Yeah. There's a there's a old and a young one in this.
3: It's a movie about wealthy people like demolishing a civilization yeah. for their own petty benefit. Mm-hmm. It's all Donald Trump,
4: ultimately. Listen, I, I, I will tell you, as I am a person who is a enthusiast about sports cars, you do not bring your fucking sports car, which you know at the time that Porsche was probably a really hot sports car. You do not bring it into a into a war zone. No, you know if you feel the need to bring a vehicle and you're a wealthy individual. Bring a tank or an ATV or something that protects you. Who the fuck is going to bring a goddamn, like, little portion there and be like, oh, I'm going to drive away. I hope nobody hurts me. I don't know why
2: that fucking guy went in there so close. He didn't need to go there. He could have talked to Wangler on a fucking telephone. It's like, is the job done? Yeah, the job's done. I killed the president. All right. Deal done. I still got my company. The entire Bronx has been leveled. I win. Instead, he had to, like, actually had to fucking show up there and drive his car through the fucking war zone. Like, he has to drive a fairly long street to get out. With it.
4: Yeah, you know why it is? It's because it's like, hey, 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 guess what? See this Porsche? Yeah, you can't afford it. I'm better than you.
2: Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I'm
4: better than you. Here, this is like my cock. It's bigger than yours. So here
2: you go. Yeah. I love this one more, though. But, like, the the action yeah. ramps up. There's an unlimited army of guys in silver suits and Michael oh, yeah. helmets who get killed. Jesus Christ. They must have had like literally if you, if you look at this in realistic terms, they must have had like thousands of guys on hand to mm. do this job and there's like yeah, we can kill 500 of them. That that's acceptable losses. <laughs> like
3: <laughs> I, it does feel a little bit like a video game after a while, you mm-hmm. know, where, yeah. where um you know, again, I've kind of I think kind of said this in the new librarians, like I would love to play a video game in this kind of setting, you know. But this definitely feels like a like a first person shooter kind of, you know, like where you got a bunch of a bunch of dudes in silver suits and flamethrowers coming after you, and you've got like bombs and like a little gun.
4: I'd like, like I'd like to know what these guys' weekly wages are.
2: They they must be very low. Like this is a dystopian future kind of thing. Like they're they're probably not being paid very well. Like they're probably being paid better than the common person on the street, and that's why they're
4: they they're, pro- they're probably being paid in that if you if you do this job, we won't kill you today.
2: Because that could be a that's your that's your
4: payment. The
3: the thing is, this is New Mexico. We're relocating you to New Mexico, and the real thing is, like, no, you get to be a, uh, you know, a slave soldier in the uh, in a in a silver suit, helping to, uh, you know, clear yeah. out
2: your, your fellow uh, men. So who's, who has it better, them or the fucking police? Because a lot of fucking police get killed in this film, too. Like, they just get murdered straight up, like, when they go to kidnap the fucking president. There's, like, this whole scene where... Maybe like thirty police officers get murdered, like just straight up, like plain clothes uh, detectives and uniforms.
4: Well, that's the thing: is our our hashtag heroes, police officers that are like literally just doing their job, they get brutally murdered for just trying to protect someone. It seems a little are hard
3: to protect the billionaires who are clearing out the uh, normal human beings. So,
4: yeah, I, I guess
2: the real, like, story there is that, like, basically, you're, they're just basically two steps away from being SS officers at that point. Well, they're they're right. just protecting, like, the whatever dystopian corporate fucking, like, it almost feels like the president of this company is more powerful than president of the United States kind of thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, it is like uh, the president. Oh, like the president of the U.S.? No, the president of the company. Duh.
2: You know? Oh. <laughs>
3: I've gotta say I've gotta say one thing, I'm just gonna throw this in here. I love the uh disinfestation annihilation squad. Like, right. <laughs> like that's such a that's such a like, you know, yeah, sci-fi Henry movie Silva. thing, but it's yeah, like, like, like so effective, right? You know?
2: Yeah, 'cause the guys chastising Henry Silva is like, you're just committing genocide. It's like, no, it's not genocide, it's disinfestation, you know. <laughs> Yeah. It was, and Henry Silva's just like a perfect fucking psychopath in this film. He's just, oh. and man, he's got the greatest face. Like he he's, he's like fucking Jack Palance with that like skull face kind oh, of Oh yeah, thing definitely. Yeah. yeah. Where and is he's smiling. He's loving killing people and he, he's just a great villain in this. Uh I love that shit. Yeah, this this works for me and they they up the fucking gore and stuff in this too. Like there's there's one scene where uh Giancarlo Prete fucking takes his rifle and smashes a dude in the face and it just collapses his whole fucking face in his Oh helmet. yeah,
3: no that was amazing. That was an amazing <laughs> shot there. <laughs> like it's like man, you're more effective with the butt of the gun than you were when you had bullets. Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, and and trash is pretty good too. Like he's like fucking Conan the Barbarian. Like whether he's got a gun or he's just doing hand to hand, he's fucking people up like throughout this film. Yeah. I think the action scenes in this are just, like, ramped up. They're better than the first film. And right. I thought the first film was no slouch either, so.
3: I love, I love at one point they, like, just throw him, like, a tiny gun, and he's just, like, he doesn't even need more ammo, doesn't he? He's just, like, I do know, we're good, all right. <laughs> <laughs> he almost like flashes him like a thumbs up it's, it's a pretty like little like, alright okay this, is, this yeah. is the kind of film this is but,
2: uh, and uh, right. I enjoy Antonio Sabato's character he's just like basically scumbag Sinbad is, is, is what he is like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah I don't think I have anything else to say about it other than like I like this one better because it's just ultimately these films are delivery systems for like low budget entertainment like just action films and I think this one does it better because it, it gets a lot of the complications of the story out of the way because right. the bad guys in the first film got all the complications out of the way. <laughs> so it, now it's just trash on on a revenge kick, basically, that's it. So it works for me.
3: Yeah, no, it definitely works. It's um, Yeah, I mean, I do like the second film better, but I don't know, there are things I also like, I mean, you know, I, I like both films, you know, but
2: yeah, no, I think they're both excellent. Um, it's, it's just the, the second film works for me better as like a delivery system of all the awesome things I liked from the first film. Uh, I'm,
3: I'm,
4: really I'm going to probably be the outlier. I'm going to be outlier, and I'm going to actually say I think I enjoyed the first film more. But that being said, I think the first film works more as, as a late 70s movie. The second film works better as sort of a m- almost a mid-80s movie where it's just it's definitely a more action movie, if that if that's your thing. I, I don't know. I just something about the first one I enjoyed a little bit more. I get that. Uh,
2: the, the second film feels like a cannon picture. Like, yeah. It, it, it feels very much like story. Fuck story. <laughs> let's just kill
3: people. <laughs> we we we've got we've got uh, squibs to, to blow here. Come yeah. On, uh, yeah. And
2: no. and it, it feels like that one ends, and it feels like Castle is thinking okay. we can do a third one like it it, it, it definitely
3: feels like... feels like there should be a third one. It really feels like yeah. there should have been a third one with you know like, like a couple more years later, where you know it is like kinda of, okay, the Bronx has been completely leveled at this point,
2: you know, yeah Nate, Mark Gregory,
4: as far as I know, is still alive, okay, so well, anybody knows and, yeah. really and, and, and anyway. Castellari is still alive, <laughs> he can't even be that old at this point, so I mean they could they could theoretically make a sequel if they want to,
2: yeah, I mean yeah. um. They could do one where,
4: uh, Mark
3: you know, it would be like 50 or something now. Uh, maybe the, 60, Bronx,
2: but, yeah. the Bronx is now gentrified, it's built up, it's the future. They could
3: kind of do a, um, like land of the dead style, yes, where like it's like, like they've built up all the like fancy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, condominiums or whatever in this like future Bronx, <laughs> and uh, then the uh, the, the underclass suddenly, uh, you know. Uh, Mark Margaret Gregory back, Yeah,
4: that would actually be back, amazing
3: And yeah, then, that actually... you know, builds a resistance And
2: builds up a, uh, you know, revolution
3: Yeah, he, he's,
4: behind, he's behind the sewers All this time
2: No, no, trash goes to New Mexico <laughs> And takes all those disenfranchised people That were moved there And, and and of course I mean, let's make no bones about it Very president today Those people were put in camps They were put camps yeah. in New Mexico I mean, that's what's happening They're not being no. hosed
4: I'm so, going to be honest though. My, my geography is not the best, but New Mexico and Bronx aren't that close to each other.
2: No, but trash goes there and he brings uh, back all those people from the Bronx. I, I oh, love the okay.
3: Why the not? New Mexico was, was two, two specific things. One, uh, they learned that the, and they learned in Italy that it was the land of enchantment and thought, <laughs> like, oh, that's a cool like thing that we can put on the posters. Mm-hmm. It actually is pretty cool. Um, the second thing that they figured was, uh, you know, like the nuclear bomb testing was done there, and so I suspect they're trying to imply that wow. there's some kind of like radiation or something from yeah. like some. You know, so you know, that's just putting myself into the like low budget filmmaker
2: in the early '80s like headspace. Hey, hey I can
3: imagine that's why New Mexico was was the choice.
2: But. Hey, if Trash leads an army of mutants back into the Bronx to destroy it, I'd be up for that too. That'd yeah. be great. <laughs> yeah. So. The second film has the distinction of having people actually count the death toll in this. And apparently, in the uncut version of this film, the death toll is 174. Uh, there, there are 110 killed in shootings, 40 in explosions, 9 by flamethrowers, 1 by stabbing, 1 by off screen kill, 4 unknowns, 6 electrocutions, 2 passed in the face with a helmet and one face turned into red mush after being hit with a shotgun butt, as we just talked about.
4: (laughs) Uh, Shotguns are
2: very powerful. Just like uh, Fred Williamson, uh, all Henry Silva's scenes were shot in Rome. Uh, (laughs) And on the the wall of the apartment of Trash's parents is a large black and white poster of Mark Gregory from the first movie, 1990, (laughs) The Bronx Warriors, which is, yeah, it kind of stands out. It's weird. Um, well,
4: it's your son. Wouldn't you want a poster of your son? Possibly topless?
2: Well, I will say, like, the artwork for both these posters are great. Like, they're they're examples of uh, the sort of 80s stuff where it's like, maybe our movie's not as good, but we're going to sell you with the poster. Although yeah. I would argue that I think the poster sells a pretty good movie when you go in to watch it kind of thing for both yeah. of them. So, yeah, that that's pretty much the trivia. Uh, we do have some DVD info here. Uh, for both of these films 2015 blu-ray dvd combo packs from blue underground or you can get the 2018 dvd or blue of uh these two films with the new barbarians uh and that's the one i own. So, I
3: almost bought that one when, I, when we were talking about doing this i i almost clicked buy on that and then just uh, chose not to um both of these are available on amazon for like a four dollar rental if you want to
2: so. Yeah, there you go. And you can get the first one on YouTube. You can get the second one with the MST3K uh, on YouTube. I wouldn't recommend it. Although there's there's also the Italian language version of the second one on YouTube in really shitty quality too. It, it,
4: it, I, I don't mean to lay, lead people down a straight path, but if you're inclined to go the torrent route, I'll say both of them are available and both of them have seeds that are fairly active. That I was able to pick up both movies. If if I were to do it, I would, I'm not saying I would actually do it, because that's a terrible thing.
2: How if, dare if, you, sir? We've we never promoted piracy on but, this. But, yeah,
4: but I would say if I were to, just as an experiment, pirate it, I would say I could probably download them in about 45 minutes to an hour, which is not super fast, but... It's reasonably fast for a movie that's not particularly popular. But I would never do it. But if if I did, that's how about how you, long?
2: You it were estimating be. those times as a person who was never engaged in piracy before.
4: Yeah, like I, I would say, I would be a complete vi- piracy virgin. This would be like completely my 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 de chairing. Is that a word? Oh. Probably not. But <laughs> de chairification.
2: I don't know. <laughs> uh. All right, Greg. Where can people find you on the interwebs?
4: Well, really nothing interesting. You can, if you'd really like to, it doesn't cost you any money. You can subscribe to beer burglar. I post stuff every once in a while. I don't think I post anything in months at this point, but Hey, again, it. doesn't cost you any money. Subscribe to me and maybe, maybe I'll post something. And when I post something, I generally find that it's, I think it's kind of funny. So you, you can enjoy it. I get it. Even if it's not, it doesn't cost you anything. So you got nothing to lose. So Beer Burglar on YouTube, why not? Yeah. Uh, Daniel, where can people find you on the interwebs?
3: I'm on Twitter at Daniel E. Harper. Uh, you can find me there. I also do a podcast called I Don't Speak German uh, with my buddy Jack most of the time. Uh, that is a podcast about the real-world examples of the terrible people who are buried in this film. So, <laughs> Yeah, more or less. <laughs> yeah, I do, a film, I, I do a podcast about the uh, podcasts of uh, neo-Nazis, essentially. So, uh, yay, go listen to that if you haven't. Yeah. I can't imagine anyone
2: listening to this doesn't know about that
3: podcast at this point, but hey, who knows.
2: Yeah, because that podcast is actually wildly popular at this point.
3: <laughs> I don't know about wildly popular, but it's much more popular than this one.
2: But It's, uh, it's, it's both cool. very popular with reasonable people and Nazis. Yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure more Nazis listen to that podcast than like not Nazis listen to this one. So, you know, mm-hmm. and then they stab themselves in the ball sacks, apparently, hopefully, at least. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. You can find us at TMBDOS.podbeat.com where you can find all of our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube and Facebook. Join the Facebook group. Best way to find out what's going on in the podcast and get in contact with us and uh, leave comments there. We'll respond to them. And usually if you're a Facebook user on the group and you leave comments, you're a reasonable person. You're not like those fucking yahoos on YouTube who are just
4: weird or outright jerks. I don't know. Just watch 10 minutes of the content. You'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
2: But, yeah, next time, actually, we're going to break off now, if it sounds okay with you, Daniel. We're going to start going to sex comedies.
3: Yes. Sounds fun. Yeah, no, I'm down.
2: Yeah. So um, I'm kind of thinking that next time we're going to tackle the first Turn On from
3: 1983. Ooh. I've not seen that one. Sounds good.
2: Which is uh, an early trauma film. Oh. Oh, that sounds good. There'll be boobs. Yeah, there's lots of boobs (laughs) in the film. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I was I was uh eyeballing this uh film uh, called Matchless from 1967 which has uh, Henry Silva in it uh which is a uh spy film parody
2: and which looks uh, very much uh ooh
3: it has a gorgeous Italian woman on the cover of the
2: uh of the poster. Well, so, you know. Henry Silva did do a lot of films of gorgeous Italian women, so So I yeah. think
3: we I think we should we should make that like an episode at some point.
2: Uh yes, know. uh throw it on the master list indeed. Yeah. So,
3: anyway, so yeah, we'll do sex comedies next week or a sex comedy next week. Sounds fun. Yeah, i I
2: feeling like the next couple episodes, maybe next three episodes, will be sex comedies. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we got the first turn on next time. Uh, we got California Dreaming, which was suggested by Jeff Williams, and uh, maybe pick up Summer. Sure. Well We'll will see how things go. I mean, that's I mean, what that's
3: reason podcast? I got I got in the headspace to rewatch bits of uh, perfect timing while I was watching uh, the second film uh, this week. Oh yeah. I think partly just because it was you know it was very. <laughs> I just had this like headspace of like you know you know who should be in this Papushka? Papushka should be in this film. You
2: know. She is. She does fit those films. Yeah, huh? She yeah. she really yeah. does. Very uh very like just. I don't give a shit what you think of me, punk rock kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Would have been a better hero than, than Trash. And Trash is pretty good.
2: Yeah. But you know, needs... Pe- 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 well, that's the thing that Trash is actually lacking. He's lacking like a strong female counterpart.
3: Yeah. Which is why he needs, he needs, uh, what's her name? The uh, the Iron Man
2: uh, leader.
4: Yeah. Like she needs... should have been, div- like again. He needs been... his, in the... in his Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Quintess Pass from 1983. who was like seven years old, or something. You
2: know? Well, it's an Italian film. Who knows what goes there? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trash. Right. we, should, we should
3: definitely, we should definitely uh, turn it off now.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's getting a little, getting a little super rapey. Uh, yeah. Yep. So uh, get a
3: little Epstein in
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to they must be destroyed on site for other episodes our links to apple podcasts youtube and our facebook group as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com thank you drive through